Ink and Quill illuminates on literature, culture and beyond. That's cool, isn't it? Listen to the sound of some incredible readings. The Great Wall story is the story of the relationship. The imagery in China is so strong. It's a book about the human story. Ink and Quill. Something provoking. We have to think like a queen. Something thoughtful. History is fantasy, really. Something fun. See some naughty people trying to steal panda cubs. All here on Ink and Quill. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors. This is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. In July 2014, John Wilmoth, director of the Population Division at the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs, released a comprehensive review of worldwide urbanization prospects. More than half of the world's population now resides in urban settlements, and by 2050, it is projected that about two-thirds of all humans will live in urban areas. Researchers notice that as urbanites become the new majority, our cities are growing bigger and faster than never before. The report notes that in 1990 there were just 10 megacities,、uh, defined as urban agglomerations with more than 10 million inhabitants. Today, up from 10, there are now 28 such megacities worldwide, representing 12 percent of the world's urban population. Immigrants are inundating towns and cities. To cater to the needs of this growing urban population, we have witnessed a visible swarm of bristling high-rises and sprawling roadways expanding at a mind-boggling speed. However, our cities, the habitats many of us call home, as healthy as we expect them to be. It's still early in the morning. The sun hasn't risen. Yet in Lishuiqiao, a neighborhood almost 19 kilometers away from downtown Beijing, things are already starting to stir. Coming from all directions, a horde of people are marching to the gateway of the Lishuiqiao subway station. Part of the Beijing Metro network, the station is a transfer stop shared by both Line 5 and Line 13, two of the most congested rails in China's capital city. After lining up for a security check, impatient commuters grab their bags from the X-ray conveyor belt and get swallowed by an even larger flow of people. But their journey is far from the end. Once on the platform, subway passengers are ushered and hooted at by bad-tempered seniors who wear red armbands and serve as guides. Once the train arrives, people shove themselves into the carriages, packed like sardines. This is how the day starts for over 10 million of the city's subway riders. <coughs> Zhu Chenfei is no exception. She works in Sanlitun, probably one of the hippest, most cosmopolitan, but also one of the busiest areas in Beijing. 
the 29-year-old spends a great deal of her time just getting to her office. How long exactly is her commute? Ah,、uh, so 15 minutes each way, one way. So 100 minutes total. Well, that surely sounds daunting, right? I think people in my company they usually take take some 80 minutes to two hours, something like that. I knew for sure that the the, the guy sat next to me. It took him, I think, at least two hours just for coming here. We ask Drew whether she feels the long commute wreaks havoc on her or her colleagues' lives. I think he's used to it. I think most people are. Yeah, it is an issue, but、uh, it doesn't seem to have a solution for this. Because、um, I think people say that's urban life, and you have to accept it. Accepting the reality seems to have become the norm, according to a report issued by Beijing Normal University. The average travel time to work in Beijing is 97 minutes, the longest in China. If the number fails to impress you, just compare it with the average 73-minute commute in New York, the busiest city in the United States. Other Chinese cities are just as bad. Shanghai and Guangzhou have average commutes of almost 90 minutes, while residents living in Tianjin, Nanjing, and Shenyang spend more than 65 minutes on the journey from home to work. Okay, let's just pause for a second. If you get so sick about being squashed inside claustrophobic subway carriages, why not spend some time behind the wheel? That's what Zhu Chenfei responds to our suggestion. Because it takes even longer. I, I think I did that once in the rush hour in the morning. That's around eight o'clock in the morning. It took me an hour and a half because of the traffic jam. There are just too many cars. No, no cars were moving. There is no denying the fact that China is undergoing its fastest urbanization in history. In the 1950s, 95% of the population lived in rural areas. Coming into the 21st century, over half of Chinese people choose to live in the city. However, while the scale of this burgeoning urban growth is awe-inspiring, drastic consequences also pop up, such as traffic jams, pollution, and wealth inequality. Cities are getting larger, especially in developing countries. But sometimes, bigger doesn't mean better. Here is Wang Yuqing, Director General from China Society for Environmental Sciences and former Deputy Minister of the Ministry of Environmental Protection. During a panel discussion held by the World Future Council in 2016, this veteran environmentalist lashed out. At China's economy-first imperative. What does urbanization mean? How do we manage our cities? Unfortunately, when you mention urban planning, boosting the economy, building cosmopolitan cities, and casting an international influence still remain the main objectives for some Chinese officials. He also listed several foreign cities for comparison. 温哥华是二零一一年实施了雄心勃勃的二零二零年最绿色城市的战略计划。In 2010, Vancouver launched an ambitious action plan to be the greenest city around the world in 
Their goals included a green economy, climate leadership, green buildings, green transportation, zero waste, access to nature, and much more. Then Copenhagen pushes to be carbon neutral by 2025. The local government in Seoul has promised to make the city more human friendly and safe. In that case, our planning ideas are quite dated and need to be changed fundamentally. Our policies and city management depend on economic index rather than human needs. How to improve human life and protect nature should be the key concerns. So here lies the real question: How to catch up with the rest of world and deal with all these problems? Danish architect Jean Gale is more than happy to offer help. Author of several internationally acclaimed design books, this urban planner is one of the most influential voices in terms of city planning. Working in the industry for over 50 years, he has noticed that there are two major planning paradigms that influence modern cityscapes. Here is Gail at the Danish Cultural Center in Beijing. One of them being modernism. I, I say 1960 as a starting point because that was when modernism started to be rolled out in bigger and bigger areas.、Uh, Actually, the ideas are a bit older, but 1960 was the real start of modernism as a worldwide paradigm for planning. It was a very radical philosophy. All the old stuff is bad. Everything old has to be discarded, thrown away. Even man is not man anymore. It is modern man, and for modern man are new rules. All the old rules you can forget about. They will not be cities in the old way. They will be freestanding buildings on grass, and public spaces are out, and grass is in. Okay, but what does that actually mean? Let me explain in a simpler way. Modernism represents the separation of housing, recreation, transportation, and communication. Structures designed by modernists focus on style rather than people. The ideology was so popular back in the day that it shaped our cities into the steel and concrete-filled forests we see today. As we look back now, this ideology sounds like a spectacular bad idea. But as Gail finds out, the worst was yet to come. The other paradigm which has been dominating for this period are the invasion of the motor car. Came at various times, but it has been completely dominating. In one of his books, Cities for People, the author sharply points out that since the early 1960s, the main purpose of society was to make cars happy. Therefore, in the next 50 years, this vehicle-oriented mindset has grown to be so prevailing that the needs of human life, the greatest attraction of any city, has largely been neglected. From every city I know, have a department for transport and traffic, and every city I know, they count all the traffic every year and have all the data and documentation about traffic. Always, they have all this inform information. But typically, no city has a department for public life and pedestrians, 
and they, most of all the cities have no documentations about how the people use the city. That is a very unbalanced situation. Today, Gale is hailed as the godfather of the concept of livable cities and one of the strongest advocates for idea of pedestrian-based planning. However, the seasoned designer admits that he didn't realize the importance of human condition at the start of his career. Uh, I graduated as an architect in 1960. I know now that it was the worst time of city planning ever. That was just there. I rushed out of school architecture to do all the nice things I learned in school of architecture. Wow. Then I married the psychologist. She and her friends, they constantly talk to us young architects saying, why they not teach you anything about people in school of architecture? We, we could not really answer that one. So I decided I had to study. In 1965, Jean Gale and his wife traveled to Southern Europe to observe how locals interacted with the physical environment. That was a life-changing experience. In 1971, he published his debut book, Life Between Buildings, Using Public Space. What we really had to do was to sit down and start all over again finding out how people used architecture how people use cities, how people's senses work, how communication between people works, how, where we, how we use spaces to find out the basic things about human behavior in relation to physical form. However, the book didn't make a splash around that time. Gail went back to the University of Copenhagen to teach in the 1970s. In the following 40 years, he published several well-received books, including Public Spaces, Public Life, and Cities for People. I was asked some years ago to write a book called Cities for People, and the foundation who, who asked me to write this one, they said, couldn't you please sit down and write down everything you know? This book has, in just six years, been spread to all kinds of places in the world and it shows that there is worldwide a fantastic interest in a more humanistic approach to city planning and architecture than the old technocratic approach. And then after I wrote that book, the same foundation came again and said, now you've written the book about all you know couldn't you write a new book about all the methods you have developed in studying life in the cities? So we had to write a new book, and this is the one which is coming out today in Chinese. Again, the foundation said, hurry up, hurry up, while you can still remember it. But I had my assistant, Birgitte, to help me, so we could, together we could remember it. I'll not go into details about the contents of this book, but in this book we try to describe what we learned in these 50 years of starting to find out how people use 
urban environment and use architecture, using developing a number of methods. His theories have gradually been put into practice. Besides improving the Danish capital's pedestrian and cycle networks, Gale has gotten involved with projects around the world. These include expanding the public space in the hyperdense Times Square of New York, providing a new cycling roadmap for the 20 million citizens in Mexico City, and creating the UK's first shared road space in Brighton. Chongqing, a major city in southwest China, is also on Gale's planning agenda. Home to nearly 30 million residents, the city is surrounded by a lush mountainous landscape. Zhang Yu is the program officer of the China Sustainable Cities program from Energy Foundation China. 2013, the Ministry of Housing and Urban Rural Development announced the basic standards for developing non-motor vehicles in cities. Since then, our collaboration with Gail has shifted from adopting a public space plan for the inner city street network to reimagining the cityscape. We worked together to project the city planning guideline for Shanghai. We also helped local planners in Chongqing to redesign the public ground in Yuzhong district and made it more sustainable. All these successful cases proved the feasibility of young girls' theories in China. So far, China has developed a shared global vision for creating livable and sustainable cities. In 2016, the State Council issued new urban development guidelines to lead the way. However, only a few cities have succeeded in implementing this vision. Professor Ying Zhi from Tsinghua University is in charge of the planning and design of Tech Park, a small community in southwest China's Chongqing city. For him, the future is never short of uncertainties. The essence of human-oriented city planning is to take the needs and behavioral patterns of a specific group into consideration. People living in tech park are engineers and techs. We have collected data of this specific group for 10 years, so we understand what they need. Yet as for the result, we still need to wait and see. But Jean Gale is full of confidence for the future. China is certainly on its right way and I wish you the best of luck. As for Zhu Chenfei, the Beijing resident who spends over 100 minutes commuting every day, despite the disparity between the reality and her expectation, things are still looking promising. I think the management is really the key here, you know, how you manage these things, how you um, make your system more efficient. I have very high faith in my government and they should do more. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget that there are always interesting happenings in the literary world and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account, China Plus, or download our podcast from iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Yang Yong. See you next week. <laughs>